Good evening and welcome to London Film Club with Raya El Salih. Expect a healthy dose of sunshine and scepticism in tonight's show as we pick apart the new movies hitting cinemas across the capital this week. And joining me with the words of wisdom on what's worth seeing and perhaps what's not, head honcho of one uh, of the film blog, One Room with a View, David Brake, plus the movie maestro bringing popcorn and glitter together, Sophia Fawes. Here's what's on the menu this evening. Tom Hanks is back with the next chapter of The Da Vinci Code, but is the fire still burning bright for Inferno? It's the family-friendly animated comedy which sees Jennifer Aniston receive a colourful makeover. But are you in for a bundle of fun with Storks? And a coming-of-age drama set in a whirlwind of young love, loud music and hard partying. Shia LaBeouf hits the road in American Honey. So that's what you've got to look forward to this evening. And first up, Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones battle to save the world against a terrifying plague. Here's what you've got in store from Inferno. There's a switch. If you throw it, half the people on Earth will die. But if you don't, in a hundred years, the human race will be extinct. I left you a path. The hardest one yet. Only you can finish it. You are humanity's final hope. It's Dante's Inferno. Dante defined our modern conception of hell 700 years ago. Why Dante? Why this map of hell? Oh, a mystery thriller. An exciting one from Inferno. David, what's the plot line? Mmm, exciting. We'll see. So this one is the, based on the Dan Brown book, Inferno. So it's, uh, they're treating it as the trilogy book when actually it's the fourth one. It's the story of Dr. Robert Langford, uh, Tom Hanks, and he is given, he wakes up in Florence with a head concussion and he meets uh, Dr. Sienna Brooks, uh, Felicity Jones, and then they are set on a whole course of adventure to try and solve these clues to find out the sort of this mystery virus which is going to kill everyone. Very cheery, basically. Mm -hmm. And you're looking as though you're really excited by this film. I'm so film. excited about this film. It's Before so good. Before we get a review from you, Sophie, I think like me, you're a huge Tom Hanks fan, aren't you? Massively, which I felt was a little bit of a shame in that as someone who's such a big fan of him, I didn't really feel like he was utilised as much as he could have been, or perhaps as he has been in The Da Vinci Code or Angels and Demons. It just felt like there was a lot of running and <laughs> a lot of um, dad running. A, a, quite a, a focus on Felicity Jones's character, which unfortunately I also felt was a little bit wooden. Um, I think when you see her in The Theory of Everything, she's fantastic and I truly think she deserved the sort of the Oscar buzz that she got from that. But this just seems like so far from removed from that so mm. yeah it was a little bit of a letdown for me I think a lot of that has to do with the the, the sort of script itself mm -hmm. I think the script is quite weak I mean a lot of people would say the Dan Brown source material is quite weak anyway so if you're going week from week it kind of you know they're going to be holes the size of, like in Emmental cheese it's just going to be bigger big old holes everywhere and that's basically what this film is a big slice of holy Emmental cheese it's, it kind of looks nice but then you realize that actually the, the holes are a bit of a problem yeah. so a lot of continuity errors I've spotted as well, mm. which if you're a bit like us, it's a bit <laughs> annoying when you're watching a film and you can poke holes in it. Um, but I mean, overall, I felt that I enjoyed it. I didn't necessarily feel myself on the edge of my seat, um, but it's something perhaps that maybe 
you and your dad could watch at the cinema and it'd be quite a nice, enjoyable film and everything, but it's, it's nothing amazing, I don't feel. Mm. Given the stature of Tom Hanks, are you surprised that he agreed to, to do this third in the trilogy? Yeah. To, I mean, to one extent, I think the film only survives because it's with him in it. If, we, so, if yeah. we were talking about Inferno with you know, a C-list actor, we wouldn't be talking about Inferno on the show mm. or anywhere because the plot itself isn't good enough, the action itself isn't good enough, the directing isn't that good either. So it, it does rely heavily on Tom Hanks being in the film to sort of justify it. So I think he was obviously uh, heavily uh, thanked for his involvement, but I still think it's, it's very interesting because he's not that good in it, and obviously, but the film entirely clings to him. Fans of the book and uh, fans of the trilogy so far, do you think they'll take anything good from it at all? Is there anything that you enjoyed about this film? Um, well, like I say, I think Tom Hanks is definitely one of the best things about it. And it is, there are elements of it where it's very suspenseful and, mm. and there's, a, there's a lot of twists and turns. And, but maybe they're not executed as strongly as they could have been, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's sort of a bad movie overall. Oh. Um, and there are attempts to sort of deepen the narrative a little bit. So there is a bit of a romance going on between Tom Hanks and another character. Um, although I did feel that, that was a little bit too drawn out. Um, Just like the opening. Exactly. The, the opening it obviously opens to him uh, in the hospital. He doesn't really know what's happened to him. And it's just very long and drawn out. And we sort of get, we get it. He's had a head trauma, but there's a it's lot of really blurry the best shots. Way to start a and thriller yeah, when you're waiting you a bit like of a 20 headache. minutes. Yeah, and it does. It takes quite a while to get into it. And then once you are in there, there's a lot of running. A lot of running. A lot, a lot of, of dad running. running. Yeah, a lot of dad running. Um, Which isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing for a film, but there you have it. Not the best review so far, so I think I know what the answer to this is going to be. But let's talk popcorns. David, how many are you giving it? Uh, two. two. Yeah, that's, I, I thought it was a little bit harsh, but yeah, we're going for two. That means that uh, Inferno is uh, for London Film Club this evening, getting a total of two popcorns out of five. It opens in cinemas across the capital tomorrow. <laughs> it's rated certificate 12A. Perhaps you disagree with what you've heard so far. If you've already bought your tickets and you're looking forward to seeing it, uh, you can get in touch and take part in tonight's discussion on Twitter at London Live using the hashtag London Film Club. Next up, expect slapstick, family-friendly humour in computer-animated comedy, Storks. It's an image as old as time. A baby swaddled in white, delivered by the stork. How quaint. But you'll find here on Stork Mountain, we take baby delivery seriously. I'm here to finally unveil our new and improved human infant production facility. We have perfected and streamlined the process, devising a zero-mistake workflow. Trademark. Using the most cutting-edge technology, coupled with over 75 years of hard-won experience, our new process has been described as perfect, precise, flawless. Storks in suits. Sophie, what's the plot line? Uh, so, long gone are the days of storks delivering babies. They now are a courier service uh, for things like bones and everything like that. Um, and an order for a baby actually, or accidentally, gets thrown into the mix. So, uh, the top stork has to quickly sort of hide his error and deliver the baby. Um, and obviously, what follows is a sort of chaotic mix of him trying to deliver this baby. David, is it slapstick humour that goes beyond uh, parents and kids? Uh, 
I think it, it's a mixture for both. I think, you know, if you're a kid, you're going to love it because there's things flying into things and fart noises abound. You know, when you're six, this is the stuff you dream of. <laughs> uh, and for adults as well, there's some sort of sly cultural references that are kind of interesting as well. So you've got, you've got a fair mix, I'd say. Like, it's not... I think so, because on one hand, uh, we've got two directors, and one of the directors is obviously quite well known for animating very famous Disney movies, including... Uh, or animating them is uh, Monsters Inc., which actually mm. I feel like this film is very, very similar to very in terms of the plot similar. and the narrative itself. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got a director who uh, is sort of known for bad, being a writer of Bad Neighbours, uh, Get Him to the Greek. So you have sort of a really strange mix of obviously people who are very talented in the comedy and the animation side, and they've sort of come together to make a sort of strange mix of. Uh, comedy, which is primarily for children, I think, mm. but there are some little bits in there which I think are good for the parents too. And a pretty impressive cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Andy Sandberg's always a good voice actor. I mean, obviously, he's very, very popular now with uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is one of the funniest TV shows on going at the moment. And I think th th it's a good cast. Kelsey Grammer's good, but I mean, he gets some sort of big, broad-chested moments where he gets to show off that deep baritone voice, which is fairly impressive. But I'd say the main thing is that they have like a Tommy Gun approach to this sort of thing where they fire as many jokes as they can out there and hope that one of them sticks. And I mean, a lot of them do stick, and it's not saying it's not funny, it's more that some of them do fire a bit wider the mark. You know, there's the occasional one slapstick joke too many or one fart joke too many or one cultural reference that flies over the head of a UK audience or potentially a US audience. So. It's, but, it, I mean, you know, it's, it's fair play for it for trying so hard. No, oh, I think so. I mean, there are some subtle bits in there as well, which I quite liked, which are clearly aimed at sort of the more parents of it. But I think it's got a little bit of heart as well. There's um, obviously a bit of a relationship going on with... Um, on Earth, there's obviously a uh, sort of parents not neglecting their child as such, but yeah. they maybe don't have the best relationship with their child, and that's why he so desperately wants a baby brother. Um, so there is that sort of element to it as well. It's, it's quite sad in some parts, but overall, I'd say yeah, it's quite—it's light-hearted and it's yeah. quite uplifting. Yeah, I mean, it's something you, you've seen it before. It's not like as, as Sophie really nailed it on the point that it is Monsters Inc., but just not Very as subtle so. or not as good. But I mean, but hey, you know, there's nothing wrong if you've been dragged out to the cinema this weekend with your kids. You've seen worse things. You've seen better things. But this is no bad way to spend 90 no. minutes. No, and decently, animation's lovely as well. It's really Ooh, yeah, visually, it's it's beautiful. I think. Talking of which, let's find out how many popcorn stalks get. Sophie, starting with you. We go with. I think we differed a little bit on this, didn't we? Because I, I thought maybe it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen, but it wasn't the worst either. So I think yeah. maybe three popcorns. Okay. How, how does yeah. this differ? I'm oh, a perfect there you go. down the ground three. Unbelievable slander, I say. <laughs> no, it is three. It's a fair three all the way. Yeah. Oh, so we're uh, sharing popcorns uh, for the Storks film. London Film Club gives it a total of three out of five popcorns. It opens in cinemas across the capital tomorrow, and it's rated Certificate U. Now, the London Film Festival hosted the premiere of Nicole Kidman and Dev Patel's latest project last night. Lion tells the true story of Saru Briley, an Indian boy who uses Google Earth to search for his biological family after being adopted by an Australian couple. I had another family, a mother, a brother. I can still see their faces. Technology plays a big part in this movie, and I, I think um, I've been in front of a lot of computers as an actor doing these kind of geeky-esque roles. But in this, you know, he's trawling the ghosts of his past, and he's kind of... It's a very emotional process in the movie, which is quite unique for this. 
and it's some of the hardest stuff I've ever had to do looking at a blank screen. That it's a true story, that it actually happened. I found that unbelievable that he could go through memory and Google Earth and find his birth mother. And when you see it, you can't actually believe that it's true. And then the idea like of the destiny of a child coming, you finding a child, that was very powerful to me. It's such an incredible um, show of perseverance and, and sort of dedication and, and, and almost madness in a way that Saru spent I think about four years searching on Google Earth for his, his home and and found it sort of almost quite by accident but it was really like a, a needle in a haystack exercise. We needed to um, film a lot on trains, they're sort of integral to the story. We needed to control whole trains on train tracks, we needed to be able to go forwards and backwards and control whole stations, which is really hard in India. It's a country of billions of people, you know, there's never, you're, ne you're never, not, never, surra never not surrounded by a crowd. It goes sort of beyond so social and economic stereotypes as well. It's, it really is about how everybody in the world is connected to their family and what that means and to be separated from your family and how those are universal spiritual connections and so a, a lot of the film we, we talked about this and Garth it, it, there was a sort of spiritual theme and it was the idea that he is always carrying his family with him. I need you Soro. What if you do find home and they're not even there? And you just keep searching. I don't have a choice. Right, last up tonight, Shia LaBeouf hits the road in a coming-of-age tale. You can expect a whirlwind of young love, loud music and hard partying in American Honey. It's a business opportunity. We go door-to-door, -door, we sell magazines. We explore, like, America. We party. Come with us. Anybody's gonna miss you? Not really. Okay, good. You're hired. I like to make money get turned. I like to make money get turned. Is she okay? Oh, yeah, you just gotta keep bringing your prayers, darling. I've been trying to be Christian, but I can see the devil has a hold of the two of you. <laughs> Trailer that doesn't give too much away, David, what's American Honey about? Yeah, and I think it's supposed to look cool because this is what it's trying to go for. I mean, the plot for what we can call it, is where we see Star, who's a young teenager, sort of living a pointless life, as it were, sort of real horrible life, and then sort of joins on with this sort of band of teenagers who are sort of travelling all across Midwest America, selling magazines, and one of the people she meets is Jake, who's Sheila Bush's character, and they sort of have the young love theme, but really that is the framework in which all of this takes place. There's no real plot, as it were, that's just sort of in the background, because this is a two-hour, 45-minute film, and that plot slowly fades away, you know, throughout the film. It's, it's an interesting one, for sure. It's a film that's been described as almost a kind of mockumentary. Mm. Is it deserving of, of the time it gets? Yeah, to a point. I mean, nowadays, I mean, it may be attention spans of this digital age, we can't keep up with two hours 45, but I would say it's slightly self-indulgent. There are parts towards the end where you're sort of thinking, Oh my goodness, this is, this surely is two hours 45. This is, sh how about now? How about now? Oh my goodness, I'm still here. <laughs> and so I think it could do with at least half an hour being chopped off. It's a lead, well, a sort of lead, um, Sherlock Booth, who divides audiences. Sophie, what do you make of him? I think 
Unfortunately, he does get a bit of a bad rap. I mean, if you've seen him in things like Lawless, mm -hmm. um, he's absolutely fantastic in that. Same with Fury, I think he's brilliant as well. That's true. Um, yeah. I think, unfortunately, he does just get a bit of a bad rap with that sort of getting mixed up in that sort of celebrity antics, mm. um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I do think he's one of the things, one of the best things about this film, for sure. Um, obviously, besides it being visually beautiful, the cinematography is fantastic. Um, I do think he is a big part of its success. Yeah. And a fascinating story of how the director casted this film, essentially travelled around America picking up teenagers who'd never yeah. been on screen or stage before. Does that work? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, the, the whole vibe of this film, Andrea Arnold is very good at this creating this sort of very organic, very raw feeling film, which sometimes feels that when you're obviously you're watching it, it's so organic that it becomes boring because obviously, you know, life is in some part quite boring when you're sort of watching people who aren't doing anything. Um, but I think if you sort of uh, dive into this journey and sort of embrace it, because the, the music as well, the cast all picked the music. Andrea Arnold, the director, had no hand in it, so the cast all picked the music, and this cast of sort of misfits all sort of work together and gel together, but you just can't see it how you would a normal film. That's just not her style. Is it a film that is deserving of, of the platform it's being given, the Cannes Film Festival, Toronto, uh, critics absolutely loving it by the sound of it? Mm. Um, do you understand why? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there's one of these things where a lot of people may... There's a line between sort of a film... Films that you actually like when you go home on a Tuesday rainy night and just watch something well in a curry. And then there are films like this which you actually have to put your head into game face mode and you can sort of embrace all the culture and the beauty of it, etc. Because, like Sophie said, the cinematography by Robbie Ryan is ridiculously good. Like, it's almost like they just... He could drop a camera on the floor and still find the best shot in the room to take. Yeah, it's beautifully shot. I yeah. mean, speechless at times for it. That said, if you're not a movie mogul as you two are, if you don't love your films and blog about them, does that really mean anything to audiences? Um, I think perhaps. I mean, I don't think this is a particularly niche film, but no. I do think, like you say, where then perhaps isn't a particularly strong, clear narrative. Um, I do, and obviously, given the time and the length of the film as well, I do think some people may perhaps struggle with it and sort of think, well, I don't really get what's happening. I do think there are also elements where perhaps it glamorises the whole sort of drugs and, uh, you know, promiscuous mm. and everything like that. But um, Talking of which, yeah. let's get to those popcorns. How many <laughs> giving it, David? I'm going to give it a four. And Sophie. Yeah, I agree. Which means that uh, American Honey gets four out of five popcorns, giving it tonight's top score. It hits cinemas in the capital tomorrow. Rated certificate 15. Afraid to say that's it for this evening's show. Thanks to David Brake from One Room with a View and Sophie Thors from the blog Popcorn and Glitter for sitting in the hot seat tonight. And of course, to you for watching. Join me, Raya Salahi, for London Film Club next Thursday at half past six.